And we are officially back. Joshua and Phoebe yell about movies. Phoebe. Yes, Joshua. What did we just watch? Oh my gosh. I don't know. What? (laughs) But it was really good. It was the unbearable weight of massive talent starring Nicolas Cage. As Nicolas Cage. It was brilliant. It was. I mean. Oh, wow. How did we watch the best film of all time? Again, I don't know. Everything, everywhere, all at once was amazing. And this, in its own way, was, I think, equally brilliant. The contents is tight. <laughs> it's co- They're coming through. There's some good movies I out there. I mean, <sighs> wow. Okay, and cue the music. They yell about directors, yell about the plot, yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot, but mostly Joshua and Phoebe. And we're back. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome back to Josh and Phoebe Yell About Movies. We're here with uh, Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe, what was your reaction to uh, the Nicolas Cage movie? Uh, I had two reactions. Yeah. Hysterical laughter, mm-hmm. or just my jaw was dropped <laughs> on how creative and weird and funny and exact. I feel like I'm in on a joke. But I don't know who told it with Nicolas Cage. This attracts... He's like the Pied Piper. Yes. And I, I just hope I don't find out that, like, people that love Nicolas Cage are a certain type of person that I don't want to be. <laughs> it's like Dave Matthews fans. Oh, you know no. I mean? no. We had to wake up. But, you know, <laughs> we had to run its course. And that's all I'll say about that. Right. Anyway, but, that's a different story. But I... Uh, oh, wait. I, hi, everybody. I'm back. It's Joshua. That was me. I was doing a voice. Uh, but, yes... Uh, who would like this film? Who would like this who film? Who would like this film, Phoebe? Oh, it's the people that somehow get, but don't get Nicolas Cage. <laughs> there are people that will not watch Nicolas Cage movies, like your cousin David. But they love Nicolas Cage movies. But they do? But they love, right, people say they don't like Nicolas Cage. It's like people who really love The Simpsons. A lot of people say, oh, The Simpsons now, terrible, but the early seasons. So I think there's people just like that for Nicolas Cage, because he's been around for so long. I think there's people now who go, oh, what he's doing is terrible. You need classic Cage. <laughs> so so this film is appealing to, like, every genre of fan. It, it manages to name check, like, Eight or nine Nicolas Cage movies. And as the movie went on, it name-checked all these films. And then we got home. They didn't mention Peggy Sue Got Married. They also didn't mention Raising Arizona. No, they didn't. They didn't. No, but they did mention Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, did they? Well, so there's an alter ego of him. Right. Which is the megalomaniac actor (laughs) and bad boy. And he has the hair from Peggy Sue Got Married, I think. Okay. But the jacket... The leather jacket. Is it from the movie where he was the one, the ghost, ghost writer? Uh, I'm not sure, but he was wearing a Wild at Heart shirt. That is a David Lynch movie. We just looked up uh, from him. So then that was the mention of that. So maybe those are the films that he wants people to think of him in. Uh, it's almost like, yeah, okay, guys, we're going to be honest. Uh, this film is for Nicolas Cage super fans, which apparently we are. I, I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, am I? But yeah, but there's so many... 
bad films that you love because Nicolas Cage is in it, like Ghost Rider. No, I feel like he has some sort of magical powers that when people see him, some of us just get hypnotized. And you <laughs> must watch these films. And they're so different. Some of them are really fun. Some of them are really bad. Really bad. I mean, I'm still recovering from the delight that was Willy's Wonderland. But then what was that movie the Japanese filmmaker oh, made? He, I I don't know. That was that was another Piece thing. Of we, the one we shut off? Piece right. Of garbage. I can, couldn't give you the title, but that was part of that tax settlement you were reading his long, 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 long Wikipedia entry about how he's owed money for like, buying castles and islands over the last 30 years. Oh my god. Insane. Uh, read his Wikipedia, guys. Uh, <laughs> Rick. And, and also... Well, what? Do yourselves a favor. And read his Wikipedia. And then, uh, before you watch the movie, too, uh, watch his latest interview on Jimmy Kimmel, because he's nuts. Phoebe, before this <laughs> film, was asking me, what do you think Nicolas Cage is really like? And I said, I have no idea. And now, after watching this interview, Nicolas Cage doesn't seem to either. He's like... <laughs> No, that was interesting. He said he didn't know if it was going to be slapstick. He didn't know if he would be mocked. He didn't know if he'd be good. He had no idea. And the guy that's making the film is the character Javi, a super fan. Right. Uh, guys, so Javi, if you haven't seen the trailer, is played by Pedro Pascal, who's a rich billionaire who owns an island. We think... Uh, details not clear. We can't but, give too much away. Yeah. Like, well, or we can we? I don't know. It's, anyway, he's a Nicholas Cage super fan. So, but you, you can give away as much as the uh, the Jimmy well, Kimmel episode a, does. He's in a cartel. Yeah, he's in a cartel. But so the director of this film is a Nicholas Cage super fan, right? Like you said, like Javi Pedro Pascal is. Yeah. Uh, no, what I meant was that Jimmy Kimmel interview. It seemed like he was playing himself, like he was telling these wild stories and like giving all these Nicholas Cageisms, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean. He was poking fun at himself without degrading himself. Right. And that that was very vulnerable on Nicolas Cage's part. But you know, he's he's he is vulnerable. I mean, he's bought um I don't know, something like 33 cars, 12 of them are Rolls-Royces. He's yeah. bought islands, castles, mm-hmm. jets, dinosaur skulls. Yes, dinosaur skulls. Uh, okay. Well, having said all that, guys, uh, incredible, incredible amount of fun watching the movie this week. Uh, let's, let's walk through the film a little bit from scene to scene. The beginning of the film, it's kind of like a classic story, like a uh, rich white guy dad, too caught up in his own world of business to notice that he's ruining his daughter's 16th birthday. He shows up hammered drunk to his daughter's 16th birthday after he loses a film role. Right. And then he walks in and says, I love you, honey, and starts singing a song to her at the piano in front of uh, her and her mortified friends. How <laughs> how terrible and depressing was that? Oh, my gosh. It was the worst. It was the worst, but it was the best. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Pedro and Nick, their chemistry on screen. This is what we call a wild bromance film. Absolutely. This is the greatest bromance of all time. If if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> but it's also kind of creepy because the guy that created it is writing this like amazing bromance with him and Nicolas Cage. Um, not that it's homosexual, but it's, it is a man crush. Oh, this is the greatest man crush of all time. Or <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's a, uh, in every single scene. Like, you, you think Pedro Pascal is going to kill him and that he knows he's become a spy for the CIA, which, you know, if you've watched the trailer, guys, 
I mean, I don't think giving anything away that's in the trailer or the Jimmy Kimmel interview is a spoiler. So I'm no, not but I say did that, like but. the transition of like after I saw the trailer, I still wasn't entirely sure what this film was about, <laughs> and then it answered it for me really quickly once we got into it, and it was delightful. I mean, they don't make movies like this anymore. First of all, it reminds me of one of the comedies, action comedies from the '80s and the '90s, which Nick Cage has been in. Uh, what action comedies in the 80s and 90s that Nick Cage has been in? Oh, Face Off. Face Off. Uh, yes. So <laughs> so Pedro Pascal as Nicolas Cage, to name his favorite films of all time. And Nicolas Cage is like, whoa, man. He sounds. He reminds me of another guy in Hollywood who has a similar career as him, I think. Uh, not John Travolta. That guy sucks. Uh, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage are on this similar weird trajectory, right? Like where they both like, are sort of like caricatures in themselves at this point but not oh. in a, but not in a marlon brando like washed out fat way it's, it's as if they both spent millions of dollars sculpting their face in like body and mannerisms to be like this like they are brand caricature of themselves yes right? so they he's are. a caricature of himself at this point and so you can't tell if he's playing himself or if that's really how he is but however it has been said that nicholas cage is one of the most underrated actors of today and that he has done more with the art form than any actor in years and years and years. So, and then you have the people that think that he's just totally annoying and out of his gourd. And I think he is out of his gourd. Oh, absolutely. But, That's what makes him fun. But he doesn't judge the That's process. what makes him fun. It also makes him an artist, I think. He said that it was painful uh, to play himself, but... I wonder why. I wish he had talked more about that on Jimmy Kimmel. Well, I wish he had too. So, the beginning of the movie. Also, uh, Doogie Hauser plays his agent. Small part, but very, very fun. What did yeah. you think of that? It was cute. Yeah. He's always good. I mean, he's <laughs> great. Yeah, Doogie was essentially playing like his advisor, like overlord role from The Matrix 4 we just watched uh, a few you months ago. You realize, back. though, that a lot of our listeners won't even know who Doogie Hauser is. Uh, well, can you name that actor without looking it up? I can't. You can't. That's okay. They know who he is. But they know who we're talking I, about. I, I, but it's because... I think most of our listeners are around our age or my older. My mom knew him. Like, they were friends. I don't... I just don't remember his name. Hold on. Dookie <laughs> This is so... Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes! Yes. Neil Patrick Harris. Doogie Howser. I uh, honestly, I have, I have this tick where I call uh, famous actors by their favorite characters. For instance, Willem Dafoe. I, yeah. When I when I'm talking to him about my cousin, I always call him the Green Goblin. <laughs> I just say, yeah. So the Green Goblin. He's in a new film. And David David will be like, you mean Willem Dafoe? I'll be like, that's what I said. <laughs> the Green Goblin. For me, some characters are indistinguishable. I mean, some actors are indistinguishable from the best characters they play. And in this one, it's obvious that Nicolas Cage is indistinguishable from Nicolas. Cage! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that was good. Um, that was good. So, 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 so. Funny. So fun. So, so funny. Funny, and, funny and, fun. And, and like, um, Great action movies mm-hmm. and real danger. Who's the guy that plays Lucas? Uh, Lucas, by the way, is uh, the, the drug lord that's the real villain of the film who's not shown in the trailer. Oh, man. What's the name of this film again? It's a long title. I know it is. I mean, I know... I keep calling it the Nicolas Cage film. You can. What is it? The... The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. 
Okay. The um, would you like? It's a bit of a high maintenance. Tom Gornikin. Okay. Is the director and the writer who All is right. the super fan, and I think he kind of like wrote himself into this. Okay, who is the guy that plays Lucas, the really scary Louis Gutierrez, the really scary, scary head of the cartel? His name is Paco Leon, and whoever he is. He's really scary. Uh, yes, Paco Leone. He is extremely scary. Uh, played a extremely convincing drug dealer. It, his character seemed like he was transported from a much more serious film, right? Because the film at its heart is a farce, right? Yeah. But he's a character from like a non-farcical universe, and like, and like, there's this part near the end where Pedro Pascal and like his girlfriend seem like they're going down a, in a blaze of glory, trying to have a, have a shootout on a bridge. Yeah. Remember with like a motorcycle that they show up with like guns and a oh submachine gun. So <laughs> he's trying to shoot his brother down, like right through a tunnel. And it, yes, it was just like a parody of all those Nicolas Cage action films. This oh movie loves gosh. to talk about, Amazing. like The Rock, like Con Air, like Face Off. I can't believe those are three different films. By the way, I know he did those almost back to back. I know an incredible stretch of filmmaking by uh, totally. Yeah. So Paco. Leon is from Spain, mm-hmm. and I hope he becomes mainstream over here because he was really, really good. He sure was. He was really scary. Like you could not stop looking at his eyes. And I, I was well. First of all, his his eyes are like like an ocean, so it's kind of hard to take your eyes off them anyway. But I was looking for any sort of moment where he breaks, and he looked evil. The entire time. He sure did. He looked so evil. I thought he was really good in it. Everybody was so good in it. I don't know who the woman is that played his wife. That's you, okay. Have you seen her in any other I movie? have not. We have not. But if we don't know her name, chances are no one else listening will know it either. Joanna Bobbin. Uh, okay. Yeah. She's in the Brothers Grimsby, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Oh, you mean, um, you mean she... The, the lady who played Nicolas Cage's wife. Yeah, she's, okay. she's British, too. She's not Irish. Okay. Uh, right, so the setup is he ruins his 16-year-old daughter's birthday party, and his wife is all, also there, and she has, what is it, like a British accent, right? Irish. Irish accent. Uh, and they're about the same age, and, and uh, Nicolas Cage is, yeah, like I said at the beginning, play, playing this classic-type character of uh, an over uh, a white guy, 40s or 50s, works himself to death and ignores his daughter. And that's like the conceit of the film. And then Doogie Hauser shows up and says, how about a million dollars to go to this guy's birthday party? And then Nicolas Cage, he meets his director, and then he does an audition for him on the spot as he's about to get in his limousine. I mean, how amazing was that? That was good. He's like, no, I'll reach for it. He's like, really? He's like, wait. And then Nicolas Cage closes the door of the director's limousine as, he, as he's about to get in and does this like, well, what you don't know is this. And that's why. And so I think what that is is him making fun of himself a little bit. Right. Um, well, it's the writer writing it because yes, apparently yes. that's what he did to his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, yes. when he was 15 years old. Right. And <laughs> which was not met with any silent car ride home. Is what, is, <laughs> it was described as his reaction. But he did work in, uh, in Coppola's films in his early years. How about that LSD scene? Yeah, the LSD scene was like... Kind of amazing. And it was kind of amazing. It was the funniest uh, character on acid or LSD. I couldn't stop laughing. Ever. I think that's where I laughed the hardest in the whole thing. Ever. That they were just so like... so funny. That and when they yes. jumped off the cliff. Wait, didn't... Wait, was that... Did he get an acid to jump off the cliff? No. Nicholas no, Cage... He, no. 
That was later. Okay. Uh, all right, yeah, they, they just started, like, running and hiding. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was acting like these two random weirdos in the neighborhood were spying on them or, or like, spies and chasing them. And Pedro Pascal's character, uh, Harvey, was just going along with it. He's like, really? Really? And, they, and then they just started running away all around through the city. And then eventually, is that when they jumped over the cliff? Or how did they end that, the LSD scene? They ended the LSD scene... Gosh, I don't know how it ended. It was just a delight of um, violence and hysteria. Yeah, they were incredibly petty. You know what? All of the scenes between Javi and Nick Cage. Are a little disorienting, right? And hilarious. (laughs) I think they're the funniest scenes in the movie. (laughs) Nick Cage is such a delight. Mm Mm-hmm. Throughout this entire film. But I can't really tell. How do you be ma- method when you're being yourself? But he, What was that what was that style of acting? Uh, in, oh, in, and, they, and they made fun of it, too. It's It was uh, Nouveau Shamanic. Where <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Nicolas it's like, Cage, baby. Woo! That's when thespians and uh, shamans used to dance or something. I don't know. Yes. It's some, something crazy. He said he'd write a book about it at some point, but um, in the meantime, <laughs> he they, they made fun of it in there. Like, he's really playing himself. All right, so after Nicolas Cage lands on this million-dollar island uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, right. by the way, uh, Tiffany Haddish playing her, her standard character, she always does. She's like, what's up with you, Nicolas Cage? She CIA gets excited. Agents, yeah. She gets excited playing the sassy black girl. Um, she, she's kind of like the Queen Latifah of the... Of the new millennium, what do you think? Oh, interesting. Why Queen Latifah? Oh, uh, that's just my go-to for sassy black girl actress. Oh, I don't know. I mean, she's a boss lady. Right. Like um, Tiffany Haddish, I think, a little bit. Well, Tiffany Haddish, everything I've seen her in, she plays either, like, the detective or right. the CIA agent. Yes. Yeah. She plays, like, a fangirl version of, like, a She literally a is yeah. just as herself. Right. Just she's herself. Just right. right. And she's like, what's up, Nicolas Cage? And then she says she's seen him in the cruise, and then she slips a tracking device into his pocket. And the other CIA, CIA agent... Mm-hmm. Uh, says, you mean Nicolas Cage from Con Air? He's like, yeah, I know who Nicolas Cage is and talking about his films. And meanwhile, she's like talking about this animated film called The Croods 2, which probably oh, right. you have, if you're hearing us, you have not seen The Croods 2. Neither have I. Yeah. We're <laughs> not very good. <laughs> he did so many films over the last 10 years. The papers I have a strange set. desire, though, because Nicolas Cage liked it to see Paddington 2. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the... That's a little disturbing. But that might... Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that was just one of the director's jokes. Because Nicolas Cage said, list your, list your favorite films. And his first one was, what, Con Air, right? Yes. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then it was The Cabin of Dr. Calabar. No, the first one was Face Off. Face and he, Off, right. And he was like, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the second one was, I believe, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, an old 1920s uh, black and white horror film right. that he made his daughter watch. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that, too. <laughs> see, this is what I mean about Nicolas Cage, that he can get away with making a, doing a movie made about him by a super fan because they've got to be as nuts as he is. That's who's watching it. People who are nuts. We're nuts. We are a little nuts. We that's must okay. Be, we are eccentrics. We're a little eccentric. Listen, we're so nuts. I got you to watch a movie called Willy's Wonderland, where I said uh, it's Nicolas Cage fighting a bunch of animatronic robots in a warehouse. What do you mean, got me to watch? I was <laughs> completely willing to watch this. <laughs> Wait, did we? No, we we did not actually do a podcast review of Willy's Wonderland because it's, it's 
terrible, but well, we also let's do let's do a mini one well, real quick. But, but the reason was because I wasn't the host yet. You, we were you were still hosting with the one whose name we will not oh, mention. Yeah. That's fine, but but we never did, and we are not going to in the future. But let's talk about Willie's Wonderland for just a minute. Okay. All right. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Nicholas Cage showing up in a black leather jacket and a, tr- a trench coat in a black car, looking like he's off the set of Mandy, which, by the way, is another movie name checked in our current. And is he from space? Is he not? I think we did do Wendy- Willie's Wonderland because I remember talking about this. Mm-hmm. Really? No. Maybe we, we just talked about no, so much. We talked about it so it much. We, we talked- had to have ha- we had to have therapy with each other after therapy. watching that. Uh- he lived on Mountain Dews and humped a pinball machine in order to give him energy to fight all of these satanic cults possessed uh, robots. Basically imagining that uh, animatronic robot robots from uh, Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza uh, were possessed and came to life and would kill that's people. That's right. And that's the movie. They, they were serial killers. Right. Oh my gosh. So anyway. Uh, and then, but what was he? Was he from space? Was he supernatural? He did not have a single line in this film I want to point Why out. Why did he have to have Mountain Dews and play pinball in order to get the energy up to fight them. Just because it was a video game. <laughs> we don't know anything about him. And he never had any lines, but he was the No savior. lines. He had no lines in the film. It was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, and it was it was it was delightfully low budget. Delightful. Though. I found so, it really funny. So we can only recommend this film. If you love the killer clowns from outer space and you also have whatever Joshua and I are infected with, which is the strange mysterious curiosity about Nick Cage and watching him go, then this is the movie for you. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. You know, it's funny. I thought Adaptation was that movie for me so long ago. Where, oh, I love that Where movie. he played himself and his twin brother and they were talking to each other. I that movie. <laughs> I thought that was about as Nick Cage meta as you could get. But this movie takes that level of meta to another level. It's, uh... Is it meta or is it Mega. Mega. Oh, mega, mega acting. acting. Mega acting. <laughs> but, all right. So, we're, we're at the midpoint of the film. And uh, by this point, Nicolas Cage uh, is, is working with the CIA, and he likes the idea. And so, they convince him to stay longer on the island. And he, he tells Pedro in front of uh, a big party, the, the party he was hired for for a million dollars, that he's going to, he would like to stay with him for longer to make a movie. Yeah. Now, I'm doing Keanu Reeves here. Um, <laughs> that was um, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> It, it was a combination of both of them. I, no, I mean, anyways, I don't. Um, I really wouldn't compare Keanu Reeves no? to Nick Cage, except for that they are both like <laughs> caricatures of themselves. Right. But I don't think that their caricatures have anything <laughs> in common. I kind of do. See you. I kind of do. They're both very over the top characters of themselves, and like the John Wick series, which I haven't seen. Have you seen it? No. It kind of looks like he's again a, a hilarious video game parody of himself. Uh, okay. Okay. So uh, this movie really takes it to another level when Pedro Pascal uh, flies in Nicolas Cage's wife and his daughter just so he could work on his acting because they're yeah. going to make a movie together. Right. And they're all sitting in the conference room. And you don't know at this point if he's like, if he knows that Nicolas Cage is working for the CIA mm-hmm. or what is happening. It's so weird. I know. That scene where uh, he's telling his daughter what he always wanted to say to her about. About that trip when she was a little girl, remember? Oh, yeah, the heart-to-heart moment. Here's the thing. It's really hard to talk about this movie sequentially because, I mean, I think the people that listen to this episode must have already seen the film. (laughs) (laughs) Because 
there's no explaining this. There's no explaining Nicolas Cage. I think that it was a really good representation of how, um, yeah, it's just like a, a comedy unlike any other. Right. Okay. So, all right. Well, uh, we don't have to go sequentially, but it dwells in Nicolas Cage land. Like, and it jokes on itself. Like when they're talking about making a script together and they're driving along in the sunset together, like on, on this cliff line. Yeah. Nicholas Cage says something like, "Let's. Uh, it's going to be like a character drama, a character-driven drama." And then he gets yes. he gets real serious. I think is I think that's the place where they reference his uh, nouveau sh- uh, shamanic uh, acting style that he yeah. apparently invented. Yeah, and that's and then uh, Tiffany Haddish, meanwhile, is texting Nicholas Cage like, "Have you found the, the kidnapped girl?" Because they believe that uh, Harvey is a uh, kidnapped this girl, and so they give him a location. Nicholas Cage goes to find the location. And then he thinks Harvey is knocked out in the Jeep behind him because didn't they just have like a car chase? How did he knock him out? Oh, they oh, this is the, that's how the acid scene, that's how the LSD scene ended. Remember, they, he thought they were being chased. Yes. So they like drew, drew, like were running away from imaginary pursuers in this Jeep. Yes. And he accidentally knocks Harvey out, uh, like crashing into a wall or doing a flip with the Jeep or something crazy. Yes. And he sees him knocked out. And he's right in front of the place where Tiffany Haddish tells him that the girl was kidnapped. So he goes inside. And then Pedro Pascal walks up behind him and says, what's in this, what's behind this door will change yeah. your perception of me. And you think it's like some nefarious evil. Yeah. Right. And then turns up. Stacks and stacks of money and cocaine. Right. right. And then it's, just, it's not. It's uh, He's a Nicolas Cage super fan. He's been hiding it. It's, yes. like, it's like his old posters. and Yes. <laughs> anyway. It's, yes. Wow. <laughs> it's really I don't think that uh, he has the same bromance with Tom Gornikin as um, the guy that wrote and directed this, who is the real-life hobby. Okay, so we got the bromance. We got he's the Nicolas Cage super fan. Um, the movie starts off like a straight comedy. And then gradually, it's like you're watching a Nicolas Cage movie happening as they're talking about a Nicolas Cage movie, right? Yes. Like, he's like... His, his daughter does get kidnapped, and he's like, and he's running around pretending to shoot people, and then he's shooting them for real. Imaginary escapes, and then it becomes a real escape. Like the movie absolutely has it all. It's hilarious. Um, how hilarious is it on a scale of one to ten? Uh, ten gold guns. Ten gold guns. I'm not even sure Nicolas Cage ever had golden guns because I think they're referencing the the James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun. So well, there was a statue in the in the trailer and in the movie. There's a uh, page. no because there was a poster of the movie on the wall of him holding the golden guns. Right, I was saying, what movie is that from? I gotta find out. Face Off. It's from Face Off. Oh, uh, Golden Guns and Face Off? I did not remember that, but that makes sense. Okay, so... Uh, we were talking about how many do you give it, and I give it ten Golden Guns. Okay, great. Uh, how many do you give it? Oh, I, I give it eleven Golden Guns. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's all anyone needs who's a, any kind of fan of Nicolas Cage. Uh, so I Phoebe- just wish I could describe what kind of humor this is, mm-hmm. or what kind of... I think uh, what kind of person this draws, why do we have this Nicolas Cage, like, hypnotism? (laughs) Why did we get it? Like, I don't understand why it's funny, but it's so funny. It is so funny. Yes. He's insane. 
He's absolutely insane. Oh, and if you're the same kind of insanity as, as we are, then you'll absolutely love this film. The Massive Weight of Unbearable Talent, starring Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. Anything else you want to say about uh, the greatest film of all time? <laughs> of all time? Yes. It's really a great comedy, and it's uh, definitely worth a see. And I would love to hear... Uh, actually, from people that don't like Nicolas Cage, what they the, think about this movie. The, so none, I can understand myself a little bit more for loving it so much. Uh, none of them exist. So you said it's an all-time <laughs> great comedy. Is it better or worse than Amos and Andrew? I never saw Amos and Andrew. Okay. Uh, well, that's a it's Nicolas Cage comedy. It's an early one. Uh, what other comedies did he do that you liked? Hmm. I mean, I feel like everything he's done... It's a comedy, with the exception of Con Air and Face Off. Kind of, yeah. Uh, well, Leaving Las Vegas is definitely not. Definitely not a funny movie. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well... Uh, Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Moonstruck, Amazing he was movie. absolutely hilarious. He absolutely was. Uh, okay, uh, did you have a favorite scene uh, in The Unbearable Way to Massive Talent that we didn't talk about yet? That we didn't talk about yet that I loved... I love the scene when they jump off of the cliff. Yes. That was a big high point for me. Uh, it was amazing. There's been... It was so steep. I wonder if that was them. It's, it seems like there's been a run lately on movies with people jumping off cliffs. Because they did it in Coda also. They did. I thought the same thing. Do you think that those were stuntmen? Or was that Nicolas Cage and Pascal? Thank you for mentioning whether or not it was a stuntman. Because that was another thing. All over this film, uh, Javi keeps mentioning to Nicolas Cage that he knows he's better at him than running and driving because he saw him do his own stunts in this movie or that movie. And Nicolas Cage says, you're right, but you can't, it's not really fair to compare or whatever. And then he's, <laughs> it's so, so thinking good. It's it's not, okay. He's like, I know you did your own stunts in this movie. He's like, really? And then he says, oh, I saw it in the, uh, the, the director's edition commentary or whatever. <laughs> the end. Oh, and they make the movie about themselves that I think we're watching. Was it Ken Basinger playing his wife, or was his to real me wife? More. It wasn't she his real wife at one point, or was that no? Oh, it just no. of his five wives. No, that was no. never Nicholas Cage's. I, that's ex. true, but he was married to Patricia Arquette yes. and uh, 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 Lisa Marie Presley. Lisa Marie Presley, Elvis mm-hmm. Presley's daughter. So two very famous women. So yes. the fact that he could have been married to Demi Moore, I think a lot of people would have been like, was he married to Demi Moore? Like they wouldn't remember. No, he wasn't. The, his last three wives were all Asian women, and the one that he's with currently is 26 years old. Yes, and, 30 years his junior. And to me, honestly, I feel like... And they're having a baby, so... I Good for wanna, him. I don't want to say Good for him, Nicholas Cage, pulling a Charlie Chaplin. That's the most cliche thing. That's I'd, Listen, say, I'd say that this is the most uninteresting decision that um, he's ever made. Listen, the great thing is the girls get younger and younger and Nicolas Cage stays the same age. It's so, All right, all right, all right. It's so tired. And he, I'm sorry, he's starting to look like Bob from Sesame Street. Uh, how much work does he have done on his face? He has like rubber skin at this point. I don't know, but the hairspray and the feathered hair is, is the giveaway. That's the I, that and the just for men beard. I mean, it's it's incredible. He He seems like an animatronic robot of a person, even in the Jimmy Kimmel interview. It seemed like a video game character, like he was constructed, you know, just to, like out of spare parts from the back room and the makeup department. Right. Um, right. He said it was his first 
late night talk show appearance in 14 years. And you can see why. Wow. Because, because he's nuts. Jimmy Kimmel was so excited to ask him about uh, <laughs> the, the myths and urban legends about him, like him owning a two-headed snake, which he says is true. We were watching this interview. We didn't know what to believe. Mm. It just seemed like he seemed like he was <laughs> playing a character in this interview. All right. Yeah, we, we loved it. Uh, we covered everything here ad nauseum. Greatest film of all times. We gave it a rating. Uh, guys, go see the film. Uh, Phoebe, how big of an endorsement can you give this film before we sign off? <laughs> the timing of the sneeze says it all. That is what we call an inspired moment. That, you have it some, made my face explode. You have some very inspired nasal passages. That was my, my face exploded. It, I was so inspired. That, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons I married you. <laughs> okay and we'll see you next time guys uh as they yell about the movies <laughs> they yell about a lot sometimes they have guests but lately they have not <laughs> joshua and phoebe yell about, about the movies. movies bye guys <laughs>